It's Thursday, January 5th, and this is Good Will Talk Daily. Well, it's great to be with you again today. Welcome to Good Will Talk Daily, and we are in the book of Isaiah, kind of. We're in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, but what we've been doing over these last uh, couple of days and the way we're starting off this year is we're actually looking at the kings that are mentioned in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, because we want to know the background of, of why Isaiah is prophesying the way that he is. There are some really harsh prophecies in here, and we, we have to know some of the historical context. Context matters. And so I'm going to be referring to these kings as we go through the study of the book of Isaiah. It's helpful for us then to look at them briefly. And so uh, let me read for us Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to look at the third king that's mentioned, King Ahaz. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah son of Amoz saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. This third king, King Ahaz, is who we're looking at today. His story is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 28. Now, his story is also found in 2 Kings, uh, but we're not going to be looking at that together. Maybe it's 1 Kings, actually, um, but we're not going to be looking at the King's version. We're looking at the Chronicles version because it's a little bit more concise. Still, it's a difficult read because um, while the last couple kings have been good kings, with made maybe some mistakes, but good kings, King Ahaz, oh, he is not a good king at all. He did not learn from his father, Jotham. Jotham, as we saw yesterday, was not much of a teacher. He didn't lead the people um, with what he learned. He, he was very pious. He loved God. He followed after God, but he did not teach the people to do the same and apparently did not teach his son to do the same. Second Chronicles chapter 28. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Unlike David, his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He followed the ways of the kings of Israel and also made idols for worshiping the Baals. He burned sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hinnom and sacrificed his children in the fire engaging in the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He offered sacrifices and burned incense at the high places on the hilltops and under every spreading tree. Therefore the Lord his God delivered him into the hands of the king of Aram. The Arameans defeated him and took many of his people as prisoners and brought them to Damascus. He was also given into the hands of the king of Israel who inflicted heavy casualties on him. In one day, Pekah, son of Ramalia, killed 120,000 soldiers in Judah because Judah had forsaken the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Zikri, an Ephraimite warrior, killed Messiah, the king's son, Azricam, as, as, as the officer in charge of the palace in Elkanah, second to the king. The men of Israel took captive from their fellow Israelites who were from Judah 200,000 wives, sons, and daughters. They also took a great deal of plunder, which they carried back to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord named Oded was there, and he went out to meet the army when it returned to Samaria. He said to them, Because the Lord, the God of your ancestors, was angry with Judah, he gave them into your hands, but you have slaughtered them in a rage that reaches to heaven. And now you intend to make the men and women of Judah and Jerusalem your slaves? But aren't you also guilty of sins against the Lord your God? Now listen to me. 
Send back your fellow Israelites you have taken as prisoners, for the Lord's fierce anger rests on you. Then some of the leaders in Ephraim, Azariah, son of Jehonanan, Berechiah, son of Me- Ooh, Meshilemoth, Jehezekiah, son of Shalom, and Amasa, the son of Hadlai, confronted those who were arriving from the war. You must not bring those prisoners here, they said, or we will be guilty before the Lord. Do you intend to add to our sin and guilt? For our guilt is already great, and his fierce anger rests on Israel. So the soldiers gave up the prisoners and plunder in the presence of the officials and all the assembly. The men designated by name took the prisoners, and from the plunder they clothed all who were naked. They provided them with clothes and sandals, food and drink and healing balm. All those who were weak they put on donkeys. So they took them back to their fellow Israelites at Jericho, the city of Palms, and returned to Samaria. At that time, King Ahaz sent to the kings of Assyria for help. The Edomites had again come and attacked Judah and carried away prisoners, while the Philistines had raided towns in the foothills and in the Negev of Judah. They captured and occupied Beth Shemesh, Ajalon, Gedaroth, as well as Soko, Timna, and Gimzo with their surrounding villages. The Lord had humbled Judah because of Ahaz, king of Israel, for he had promoted wickedness in Judah and had been most unfaithful to the Lord. Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came to him, but he gave him trouble instead of help. Ahaz took some of the things from the temple of the Lord and from the royal palace and from the officials and presented them to the king of Assyria, but that did not help him. In this time of trouble, King Ahaz became even more unfaithful to the Lord. He offered sacrifices to the gods of Damascus who had defeated him, for he thought, since the gods of the kings of Aram have helped them, I will sacrifice to them so they'll help me. But they were his downfall and the downfall of all Israel. Ahaz gathered together the furnishings from the temple of God and cut them in pieces. He shut the doors of the Lord's temple and set up altars at every street corner in Jerusalem. In every town in Judah, he built high places to burn sacrifices to other gods and aroused the anger of the Lord, the God of his ancestors. The other events of his reign and all his ways from beginning to end are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. Ahaz rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of Jerusalem, but he was not placed in the tombs of the kings of Israel. And Hezekiah, his son, succeeded him as king. What a horrific story. It's a story of the shame that sin and idolatry bring to us. You notice there at the end, after all these terrible things that he'd done, he wasn't buried with the kings. He wasn't given that honor. Yes, he was buried in Jerusalem, but away from the kings because he was so wicked. And his wickedness created more wickedness in this fight between Judah and Israel. Remember, they used to be one nation, but now they've been separated because of sin and pride Now they're at war with one another and Israel has come in and they've beaten Judah. The Edomites have beaten Judah. The Philistines have beaten. Everybody's beating up on Judah. And God is allowing this because of the sin of Ahaz. He came to the throne and he immediately started sacrificing his children in worship to false gods. Demonic activity being carried out by the king of God's people. Oh, the shame and the wickedness. We see here a glimpse of the justice of God. We're going to get more of that in the book of Isaiah. But perhaps you're also going to see in the reign of Ahaz why Isaiah is so um, forceful in some of his prophecies. 
the things that Ahaz did were truly, truly wicked. He set up a kingdom built on blood and idolatry. We have to be careful, brothers and sisters, that we do not allow sin to get a foothold in our lives because we can very quickly turn into Ahaz. If not for God's grace, that's who we would be. One of the things we need to remember about the gospel is that it comes for people like Ahaz who recognize that we are sinful people in need of grace. Had Ahaz repented, God, it seems, would have relented. This is what's so terrible. In the time of trouble, King Ahaz became even more unfaithful to the Lord. He did not repent. He did not turn to the Lord and say, God, forgive me for what I've done. We must be willing to repent. Instead, sin hardens us. It keeps us going in our rebellion against God. This is why it requires the Holy Spirit to shake the calluses from our heart, to take the calcified souls, these hearts of stone, and replace them with a heart of flesh that we might truly love our God. It's difficult to read of this kind of rebellion, this kind of violence, this kind of idolatry and wickedness. But then we are called to consider that if not for the grace of God, this very same wickedness and sin resides in our own hearts. It leads us to humility and to repentance. The Christian life is one of repentance because we know, if not for God's grace, we too are rebellious, wicked, sinful. Let's pray together. God, we pray that we would not too quickly turn away from Ahaz's story in disgust. Would we allow your spirit to show us that without your grace, we would be no different? Sure, we might be better people. Our sins might be more respectable. We might not cause the damage and the bloodshed that Ahaz did. But the wickedness at the root of those wicked actions lives in each and every one of us. That wickedness must be pulled out by the root, which is only possible by your spirit, which is only possible when you apply the saving work of Jesus to our lives. Help us to live a life of repentance and humility, aware that without your love and your grace, we are lost. Would we meditate on that love, meditate on that grace today, tomorrow, and into the weekend, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here. We'll finish the week again tomorrow right back here at Goodwill Talk Daily.